Okay. Wait, hour 12? Is that your work day? Yeah, I, I ate and then I hopped on here. Oh, man. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, everyone. What's going on? Thanks for joining us on an episode. I'm going to start that over. An episode. An episode of the Retick Lounge. Um, all right. What's going on, everyone? Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Retake Lounge. We are really excited to bring you this interview that we have today. We are bringing on Spencer Vance of Coiled Retics. He is a new keeper in the industry who is coming in, you know, bringing waves, changing the way that he is keeping his snakes and his retics, and we're excited to get him on so he can share that experience with you guys and maybe share some tips on YouTube because the guy is blowing up. Um, before we bring him in, I just want to remind you guys, uh, we are very thankful for your support. Thank you so much for, uh, subscribing to our YouTube channel. Don't forget to like and comment on these episodes. And of course, if you like to listen while you clean cages, all that good stuff, we are on Apple podcasts and Spotify. Nathan, take us away. Yeah. So make sure that we're supporting us arc, become a member today donate whenever possible uh i know that i try to get people to donate as much as possible by even just doing it at the shop so encourage people in your lives to donate even if they aren't reptile keepers yeah so before we bring spencer on just another word from our sponsors we're gonna bring spencer on right after this whether you're just getting into retics or you've been breeding for years the first place you want to visit is stewart design more and more breeders keep showing up at shows on Morph Market, and all over socials. Sometimes it may feel impossible to get anyone's attention. Stewart Design helps small businesses like yours do big things through brand clarity, helping entrepreneurs to start and scale businesses that are easy to know and love. Their work can help any company or industry, but they've done a ton of work for ours. Stewart Design created the brand for US Arcs, Canova, Reach Out Reptiles, Coiled, and dozens of other well-known reptile breeders. Like many of us, the owner of Stewart Design, Blake, is a keeper and breeder who fell in love with retics. Although Stewart Design does a lot of corporate work, Blake has a passion for working with people in the reptile industry. So, wondering if Stewart Design is right for you? Stewart Design can help if you're just getting started or you're ready to take things to the next level. Maybe you're struggling all right, guys, make sure that you're going over to VivTech products for any of your UV needs and all the accessories included. Uh, we have an affiliate code for 15% off over there. So use our affiliate code RetickLounge23 at VivTechProducts.com for 15% off today. Yeah, and if you guys didn't catch our last episode, we share... Uh, some experiment updates with the UV lighting. I am sold. I cannot wait for Nathan to start to implement them in his cages because he's going to be mind blown with those big tech bolts. So um, yeah. I, I'm itching to start this experiment. So yeah, yeah ready it's, to go. All right, let's go ahead and bring Spencer on here. Where is he? There he is. What's, What's up, up buddy? guys? Hey, 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 thanks for having me on. Of yeah. course, man. You're kind of the epitome of what the Retic Lounge is all about, especially with how you've been doing things. So, for sure, very happy to have you. It's it's an honor and, and pleasure to be on the show. Thank you. Yeah, it's long overdue. I know we've talked about having you on for a while now, and and um, for those of you that don't know, me and Spencer have gotten close over the last year or so. Have talked quite a bit. 
Um, he's too cool and busy for me now. Um, so we don't talk <laughs> as much, but it's nice to be able to get you on, man. No, thanks for having me. It's It's been cool to see your guys' journey the last... Uh, I, I, how long have you been doing the show now? Six months? Six, eight months? I yeah. think we just hit six months last episode. Awesome. Yeah, it's been awesome to see the guests that you guys have been bringing on. And I got to say, it's the number one retic podcast out there, in my opinion. So Appreciated that. Humbling. Thank you. I think it's like us competing with one other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, man, that's, I appreciate that. If you don't mind, um, I, you know, I, I know you told us before you, you want us to cut you off if you got rambling, but I want to give you the floor, introduce yourself, talk a little bit about coiled, you know, your, your whole, you know, journey of keeping reptiles, give people the kind of 411 about who you are. Absolutely. My name is Spencer Vance. I'm 30 years old. I live in Payson, Utah, which is about 45 minutes south of, of Salt Lake City. Um, in terms of reptiles, I've been obsessed with reptiles ever since I was, a, you know, a toddler, so to speak. I think all of us who are into animals and into reptiles were inspired by uh, the late Steve Irwin. And um, just growing up and, and watching Croc Files on Animal Planet and his show was just super inspiring and got me got me super passionate about about animals and i think that was instilled in me by uh my mother who had a, a deep passion and knowledge of of animals still does to this day and so growing up i i, I kind of grew up all over i um, my family's originally from wisconsin so um we we kind of grew up outside in the woods and uh but i've lived in places like austin texas orlando florida cincinnati ohio uh, Idaho, et cetera. So I've kind of lived all over the States and it's exposed me to all kinds of different animals and, and wildlife, which has been really, really fun. Um, in terms of just my reptile keeping and my history, when I was a teenager, for whatever reason, my parents didn't let me own a snake, even though I really wanted a snake. So I grew up big into leopard geckos. Um, and this is probably... I'm 30 now. This is probably about 15 years ago. And uh, in terms of just husbandry and keeping leopard geckos, the, the standard was sand. And uh, unfortunately, I had uh, all my all my geckos died from impaction. It was it was like slow, painful death. So um, just just kind of a rough, rough uh, go there in my in my teenage years, but still loved reptiles. And then um, and then I moved to, to Utah and went to uh, Brigham Young University. I finished at Utah Valley University here in uh, the Valley, but I got a Pueblo milk snake uh, in my early 20s. And then when I got married, my wife made me sell it. So that. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> that so was... how do you go from convincing from Pueblin milk steak to retic within this marriage? That, yeah, that's the, maybe yeah. the most impressive thing. I didn't even know that. <laughs> No, that's a good point. At first, yeah, she was like, Sorry no way, off, but... no, no way, you know, because we were living in married housing at the time and, and um, just renting and they didn't allow any kind of pets or anything. So I, I think I would have had to get rid of it anyway. Fair. But but I, I ended up selling it. It was pretty sad. You know, I had that that snake for, you know, a couple of years and loved it. But in did terms you name of it, did you name it Pablo? I didn't I didn't name it Pablo. No. Pablo no. the Pueblo Milk Snake. 
But in terms of just getting into retics, this is probably what I'm 30, probably five, six years ago. I came across, uh, well, I was following Brian Barczyk and a lot of the main channels, Clint's Reptiles, who actually lives about 15 minutes north of me. I've taken my kids to his reptarium or reptile room, and, and he's just an awesome, awesome influence and awesome guy. But was following him, following Brian Barczyk and some of the other kind of main reptile YouTubers out there and stumbled across Reach Out Reptiles. And, um, you know, from, from that point, my obsession just kind of went through the roof and I was tempted to, to jump in three, four years ago. But in terms of just the timing and kind of how all of that worked, I, I just knew when I wanted to come into this and do this, I wanted to do, I wanted to do it right. And so I wanted to save up money and I wanted to come in um, at, on the business side and actually build something that was, that had legs to it, had a foundation because I knew I didn't want to just have one snake and, and have a pet. I wanted to uh, build a business around it and, and get multiple animals and ultimately breed. So that was, that was kind of my strategy coming into the retic world. Um, so I've really been planning kind of this entrance for the last three to four years. And you came in big. I, for those of you watching on YouTube, you can look what's behind Spencer. And he has a stack of six jungle eight. cages. Eight. Eight jungle yeah. cages. And jungle mm -hmm. cages are not inexpensive cages. But then he has these amazing rock walls. Like it, it's it's one of the most elaborate, uh, you know, naturalistic type of enclosures uh, without going bioactive that I've seen. Thank you. Thank you. No, it, it, it means a lot to me. You know, I'm really passionate about it. You know, each one of these cages probably took 15 to 20 man hours of my time. Um, yep. I remember and... you getting those cages and like, <laughs> like every two weeks you send an update. Okay. Done with this one. <laughs> yeah, it was, I, I thought I was going to get through them in probably like three weeks and it was a two and a half month project to, <laughs> to do them, to do them properly. Right. But um, but to Lucas's point in terms of just outfitting these, so these are jungle cages. Uh, I, I got the, the, the rocks and the rock panels from universal rocks. They're the best in the business by far, not cheap, but, uh, amazing product. Um, and basically cut it all out, organized it, uh, screwed it into the cages. And then I, I used foam and silicone and decorated and, you know, did some paint correction to make it all match, you know, in terms of the, the color. And then I have just a kind of a naturalistic substrate that I use too. So it looks, it looks really good and it's everything I could have dreamed for and hoped for. And, uh, and so it was worth the wait. It was worth the wait because I was really tempted to buy my first animal about three, four years ago. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So question for you. A lot of people like me and Nathan have talked about on this podcast uh, quite a bit about, you know, how to go about starting this business. And me and Nathan have often said, like, um, you know, get the animal first, see if you love the animal and you have a passion for that animal. And if you do and you want to get into breeding, start building from there. But you went all out from the get go. You you before you got your first snake into your home, you I think you purchased like how many? Five, six, uh, seven. 
So seven. I have seven animals, yeah. So, like, what what was, like, I mean, I hear the passion in, like, you wanting to work with these animals and everything, and I just want to get kind of into that mindset in regards to, like, what what you you literally didn't go all in in the cages, but literally all in on the animals. You, you got high-class animals, and mm. you got a bunch of them to start off with. Absolutely, yeah. And, and, and I think it just kind of goes back to the mindset that I had three, four years ago and the strategy that I wanted to implement coming into this hobby, because as I mentioned before, I didn't want to just get a bunch of animals as pets for my family. I mean, that's definitely first and foremost on the list. But second to that is I wanted to build something bigger than just myself. I wanted to be able to bring family and friends and other people um, for now into my home and, and, and show them how amazing these animals are. Uh, I did hold my first, I, I actually probably only held a super dwarf twice before purchasing all those animals. Um, and it was, it was at Clint's place. He has, I think, a, a purple albino and I think a, a wild type from Garrett. That's and two so, more times more than I did. <laughs> right. So, so I, I, I went and I just knew right away. I mean, just having a milk snake being around people that had ball pythons and other animal, other snakes and, you know, other species, there's just, there's definitely something different about reticulated pythons. They're so interesting. They're so interactive. Um, and they, they each kind of have their own personality and I didn't want to buy a bunch of pet rocks, so to speak. Um, my, my, my milk snake was kind of a, a good example of that. Just not very interactive and would just kind of stay in the same back corner of the cage. And so that's not what I, that's not what I wanted. I wanted, I wanted an animal that was somewhat intelligent and, and I could interact with and was just really, really fun to bring out. And, and, uh, so experiencing that I think was my, my big motivator for all that. Cause I just knew, and Garrett did a good job, uh, selling me, um, I think with his videos and how he markets on his channel, I mean, he does a good job of showing why they're so unique and, and why, uh, retics yeah. have a special place in people's hearts. Yeah. I, I think I think we can all thank Garrett for the market there is right now for super tours. <laughs> yes, for the market, um, but I think the animals sell themselves. I mean, even before Garrett came around, I got that hands-on experience like you did, and that's all I needed as well. And I knew like I was going to have one in my collection, and then once I had one in my collection, everything else kind of you know fell by the wayside, and then moved moved over for retics. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, I kept a bunch of different snakes growing up and I just knew when I got back into snakes in my twenties, I was like, I'm, I want a super dwarf. I want to retic. Um, they're, they're definitely different. And I, I mean, you, you've been keeping retics now for seven, eight months, nine months, uh, coming like up on long, a year, coming yeah. up on a year. They've been in your possession mm -hmm. for almost a year now. Mm -hmm. So yeah. let let me ask you this, like, what have you, what, so like, you got into this, like what's the biggest lesson these animals have taught you or what, what's, what's that process been like? It's been a, it's been an amazing learning process because as I kind of mentioned, and as you all have, have talked about before, each animal is very, very different. And, in, in, um, so I have some animals that are very shy. I have one animal that one animal out of the bunch that's very defensive. Um, and then all my other animals are, you know, I can, 
I can take out and handle, but they all have their, their different personalities. And it's also been kind of fun having <clears throat> part of my collection be hatchlings or juveniles. And then I have a couple kind of sub adult animals that are a couple years older. And so that's been fun having a little bit of the variety. Now I don't, I don't have a fully grown super dwarf retic yet. And so I'm kind of growing into that um, and looking forward to it and looking forward to all the, the cleanup that comes with that as well as because that's going to grow along with the animal. But in terms of just the learning process, just it's, it's been amazing, right? And in terms of my confidence with the animals too, because that's the main thing is, is, you know, you want to hook train, you want to implement some of these different things, but you also want to, you also want to be confident and comfortable with your animals. And I think in the beginning, I wasn't scared at all, but I think you're a little bit more cautious and you don't really know how to read the animals as much. Like, Hey, you know, I know with certain females, I don't bug them when they're in shed because they're super cranky and I get it. I understand they can't see, you know, they're uncomfortable and they're, they want to, they want to do their own thing. So just kind of learning the different animals, you know, which ones I can handle during which times. And, and that's just going to continue to grow as, as they get into sexual maturity and into breeding. And there's going to be a whole nother uh, series of, of books or, or a series of, uh, you know, pieces of knowledge that come with that just by experiencing that. So, so it's been, it's been amazing. I mean, it's been, it's been great. My, my kids and everybody, anybody that I bring into my home and, they're able to check out the animals and the, the setup that I have. I mean, they're just, they're just in awe. And a lot of them come in with, with this fear. And I think everyone's experienced that you bring family members and friends are like, you've got seven snakes in your house. Are you nuts? I can't tell and, you how many people ask, like, are you scared? It's going to eat your baby. I'm like, no, you, you moron. They're in the garage. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think anyone would have a hard time walking into your room, seeing the setup you have and, and, not not still, being interested. still being just totally just biased well, with fear. Well, and I love I love showing them the difference between a normal, you know, a normal pure Kalatoa and an Anery yep. Super Dwarf. Like showing them this right. is what this is what these are the things I look for, right? This animal is silver and this animal this animal's got a little bit more orange to her. You see the difference, right? And these are some of the things that we can breed for. And once we throw in the, the design patterns and the, the genetic mutations or color mutations, we're going to be able to do some really cool stuff with this. And so people love that part too, the genetic part. You know, you don't want to get into, you know, the het stuff or recessive versus codon. Oh, that's just too or much. Or even the localities. I, I, just, I, I, it, that's when I, people I, shut I, down and yeah i i tend listening. i tend to do that and that's when my friends are like all right you could shut up now yeah <laughs> i basically just say hey this this animal's from one island you know near indonesia this animal is from a different island in indonesia and then, yeah. then it's just kind of like yeah. hey it makes a little bit more sense so so you started talking about some of the animals you have and i i mm -hmm. I, I i would love for you to share since you know you don't have a long list of animals right now so what animals do you have in your mm -hmm. collection um and yeah <clears throat> Yeah, so I'll just kind of go down the line. So I have um, a pure super dwarf female. She's uh, two and a half years old from Daniel Solis. She refuses to grow. She's she's my grumpiest animal for whatever reason. She came in and and um, I don't know if it was just due to setup and new environment, um, but I'm still working with her and she's coming along. But she just refuses to grow. She's eating pigs and uh, anyway. So and then next I have <clears throat> a pure Kaiwadi female. One of my favorites, just the just a gentle giant, and she's just growing, growing like a weed. So pure Kaiwadi female, 
um, that I got from Reach Out Reptiles. And then I have your girl, Lucas, or your uh, your daughter, granddaughter, uh, F- <laughs> F1 Kalatoa, and she's amazing. Um, her name's Zara, and she's coming up. She's a year old. I think she just turned one, right? Actually, yeah, yesterday, one years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, she just turned one, which is great. Um, my kids love her. And then I have a pure Kaiwati male from Reach Out Reptiles as well. So I have a pair of pure Kaiwatis. And I love that locality. I think I think in terms of color saturation and taking that locality to certain morphs, um, there's something about it that just makes those colors pop. So I'm excited to work with that locality. And then I've got a 68.75% super dwarf uh, het OGS from Reach Out Reptiles. She's, from my knowledge, one of three that have been produced at that percentage. Um, there's some 50 percenters out there, and, and I think even some visual 50 percenters now that were were hatched out by by Garrett this last year. Yeah. But uh, she's a she's a special animal. She's my she's my cow maker, and uh, I know she's she's I think Lucas's favorite. Well, uh, she's, my, she's my favorite because I, <laughs> I, know. Male, I can well, I know. easily drive up to her any day. <laughs> you want to make I know. some cows, you know. I, it, I've gotten a lot of offers for 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 the for phantom males. So um, this this guy doesn't have to go far. High percentage, Hossett <laughs> albino. We'll prove that out this year. You know. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, will. Well, um, yeah. I, I will definitely bother you about her for as long <laughs> as we're friends. Yeah, she's gonna be bothered a lot. I feel like you know what? Don't even <laughs> buy, don't even buy the phantom high percentage phantom mail. I'll do that, and I'll just send him to you. Okay, <laughs> send him, send him my way. Um, and then I have a um, sixty-two and a half percent super dwarf, twelve and a half percent dwarf, so seventy-five percent total purple snow female that was produced by Justin Lathrum, Lathrop, um, and she is poshet scaleless as well. Um, so she's, that's an interesting animal. I should know, hopefully in the you next dropped year. dropped the bob. I didn't know you were going to drop the bob. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's out there. It's on my it's channel. Out there. Yeah. It's out there. It's on my channel. So, I mean, um, people, if they've been following the retic, the super dwarf community for long enough, you know, if well, they, everybody should know Justin. about that, that, yeah, that deal that, that, that Justin Garrett did for yeah. the, the truck and the motorcycle. Mm-hmm. So she's, um. <laughs> She's a descendant from from them. Um, and then last but certainly not least, I have a 87.5% super dwarf Annery female. She's got Madu and Kalatoa, and uh, she's just she's just teeny tiny and super silver. So then um, she's a visual Annery, and, and uh, she's going to make some pretty awesome stuff for us. So um, she's a she's a descendant. She's from a, one of the I think one of the Bilbo. Richard Bilbo uh, lines, um, and she's and they just she's a year to it. That's yeah, that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, so she's she just turned one as well. So yeah, so that's kind of the that's kind of the the collection. Um, my head OGS girl, I forgot to go through age. Head OGS girl is coming up on two years old this spring. My uh, pure Kiowatis are going to be three in June. Um, so yeah, I mean, in terms of what I've got going on, kind of have a good variety, but my my pure Kaiwati female is probably going to be the first one that breeds for me. So nice. Mm-hmm. You you have plans for her? Do you know what you want to produce right off the bat? <clears throat> well, I, I, <laughs> it's it's interesting because 
I mean, I think the the easy route would be to just take my pure Kaiwadi mail to her, but um, I still have an open enclosure down here. I was and, just uh, about to ask you that, and uh, so I I might I might switch up some plans and I might try to do some something crazy. Who knows? But uh, uh, she should be getting something some some special guy um, for her first breeding, hopefully. You want to drop any hints or no? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. Okay, <laughs> I'll keep that a secret. <laughs> oh man, I mean that's a great collection to start off with, and like I said, I mean you started right off the bat with the cages, just going all out, and I mean with your animals and bloodlines and stuff that you have, again, just all out. And speaking of all out, coiled, mm. you you started off right off the bat with our sponsorship, Stewart Designs, with Blake Stewart. And um, tell us how that experience was. I, I think yeah, that, that'll give you know, people I... a different view of how how the whole process goes. <clears throat> yeah, yeah and I, I think I'll, I'll think I'll just continue to refer back to my 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 game plan that I put together like three four years ago for what I wanted to do. Um, and I'm not going to probably produce for another year or two potentially. So this is like a four to six year thing, right? A four to six year game plan. And so patience, patience is, is critical. And I think that's one little golden nugget that most people should take from this is, you know, there's, there's no need to try to rush or jump ahead as long as you're, you're doing things right. And, and so when I came into this, I knew that I wanted to get the right cages. I wanted to build them out how I wanted to build them out because I wanted them to look a certain way. I wanted to have animals that lasted through the test of time, through the ups and downs of, you know, the market recession, whatever recession proof animals. And then also I wanted to build a foundation for my brand and my name. And so I knew I wanted to work with Stuart design from the get go. Um, and it was an amazing experience. I mean, I, uh, I'm involved in some, some other uh, ventures and different things and tried a lot of different things uh, in my twenties. And I have not had a branding experience or marketing experience like I have, um, with those guys, um, Blake and Aaron just completely knocked it out of the park, took my kind of my vision for my, my brand, my company, who I am, and just, developed coiled and just came out with it. And, and, uh, and so it was an amazing experience. Um, it's an investment for sure. Um, but at the end of the day, really my goal for all of this was like, because I, I, I knew from the beginning that I wasn't going to have, I wasn't going to have any babies. I wasn't going to have revenue for a while, but what my goal was is I wanted to make sure people knew who I was. Um, people, I knew people probably wouldn't, some people wouldn't like me and some people would like me. It didn't really matter to me. I just wanted to make sure that I had a voice in this in this niche and people knew who I, who I was. So that was a big reason why I went with Stuart design and I, I can't thank them enough because I mean, I've only been in this for a year and uh, there's just been some amazing things happen for us. So yeah so just to drop another plug he's one of our sponsorships sdidentity.com 
Um, you can find him at SD Identity on Instagram. Um, again, he is an investment type of opportunity, but if you guys are looking into starting your own uh, you know, reptile business or even another business, if you're watching this just like randomly stumbling upon this, uh, branding and um, marketing, you know, he he's really the guy to go to. Um, I I got a question for you. Yeah, shoot. What's the secret to YouTube fame? <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm YouTube famous. Um, you know, I've got so so real real quick background for our listeners. Homeboy's been keeping snakes for just under a year. Drops his YouTube channel around the time he gets his animals. And this guy has, and I don't mean to even throw shade on anybody, but I, have you surpassed Reach Out Reptiles and subscribers? Uh, I think they're around 30. I'm at 37. So, yeah. <laughs> so, who's counting? I'm at 37, 238. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so, I mean, like, help me. <laughs> like, what are you, what are you doing? Um, it was that like luck? Was that coincidence? Was that you knowing the algorithm? Was there's a lot of people that listen here that have YouTube channels mm-hmm. that I think would like some feedback and guidance in that that journey. Yeah. Well, thank you for for all of that. Number one. Number two. I would give myself like a C for the year on YouTube. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you why. So I've probably, I've only uploaded, I think, six long form videos on my YouTube. So that's why I give myself a C because. Okay. You're the TikTok I, YouTube version. Cor- correct. In, in, in a way, right? Like I, I do everything myself, right? I don't, I don't have a video editor. I don't have somebody filming for me. It's, it's all me, right? It's all me and my phone. And um, which just goes to show that you can do this yourself. Number one. Number two the reason why I, I, I've, I've gotten to where I am today is because of YouTube shorts. Um, I've probably uploaded close to 200 YouTube shorts. And what I learned is there's, there's not really any secret. You, you do learn kind of what pops off a little bit more or not, but the only way you kind of get to that point is by, by posting a lot and, and by experimenting a lot. Um, it was a stroke of luck because I'll, I'll just kind of share some numbers with you. So I've, I've probably posted close to 200 shorts, right? Uh, I would say my average short gets like five to maybe 10,000 views. Um, I have one short that has like 35 million views, which is cool. my top short, which is crazy, right? Um, so that's generated a lot of traffic, a lot of subscribers. Um, and, and, and so things have kind of developed and grown that way. And so my advice to anybody is, is just post. I mean, in terms of content and influence, in my opinion, that's going to be the number one currency over the next three to five years for your business or for your personal life. If you're looking to become an entrepreneur or learn, you know, wanting to start a business is you need to post and post a lot and post consistently. And so once again, I'm, I, I give myself a C because there's a lot of things that I would like to change and do with that channel um, that I'm hoping to do. But on the flip side, just off of my YouTube shorts and my effort there, I've seen, I've seen the growth and seen kind of the, the trajectory that I'm on. 
Yeah, I mean, it's pretty incredible how fast and and how big you've been able to grow it with just consistency. I, I I literally I remember just like seeing the YouTube channel just start to blow up, and I was like, "This mother!" I was like, "This freaking guy!" Like, this... <laughs> Lucas is a is a numbers whore. It's I, I I just no, I mean, it was impressive. <laughs> I'm sitting over here, and I'm like, I'm "Like, let's just put good shit out of there," and I'm happy. <laughs> I, I was just like, I was like, how this is, I mean, no, it was really, I mean, just crazy. I mean, 35 million on, on one short. That's, that's, nuts. yeah, it's 30 or 35 million. I don't, that's, I don't that's, remember. that's nuts. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that I, I enjoy watching your shorts. Um, you have a few like really entertaining shorts. I, I haven't tried this myself, but I, I genuinely love watching you toss the pigs up to your snakes and watching them catch it in midair. Um, mm. Can you give us behind the scenes information? How often do they miss? Yeah, so I have, I mean, I really have, I really only have two animals that do the acrobatic stuff. And that's my head OGS female. And she's still on, on large rats. Um, but uh, she's probably, she's probably, she's probably about a 30% shooter. So she's usually one for three. So she's, she's pretty solid. And uh, yeah, she's, I see she's Spencer up, out there just like, she's, she's putting up Steph Curry numbers, you know, 35, <laughs> 33%. Um and then my my Kaiwadi female, I mean, I she, she really doesn't miss. I mean, so, and I'm a little bit biased, but um, yeah, she's she gets locked in. So, I want to see a behind the scenes of the head OGS missing and you having to pick up the rat while she's still keyed in on feeding. <laughs> I was I was just thinking that. I have, I have, I actually have some footage of that. It's pretty funny. I, I have a troublesome feeder, and <laughs> even just opening the cage to try to refeed, man, it's, it's you ever, you ever, you you ever, man. I'll tell you what. You want to know what something that makes your butthole squeeze real tight is when you have a fourteen foot slayer that lunges six foot out of her enclosure and misses the rabbit, and the oh rabbit's my. on the floor no. by the cage. No, and thanks. then she's just looking at you like your dinner. I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> Well, and the funny thing, the funny it's, it's, thing is, is that Lucas, Lucas called me out. He called me an idiot or something one time because I was still feeding with those little like tweezer tong things. And the funny bro. thing is he was like, he was like, you need to get like, you need to get some man tongs kind of thing. And, <laughs> uh, and, and the funny thing is I still haven't gotten them. So <laughs> you're I, insane, have, I haven't, I haven't learned my lesson yet. This guy's uh, feeding like a I seven will. foot retake with little like force. Steps that are like yeah. nine inches long. I actually, I actually <laughs> use my, I actually use my snake hook. I, I make sure I wash it off and stuff after. But I actually just for the pigs because they're so hefty. I just, I just lay it on there and just, I just usually will feed her that way. <laughs> That's actually so not a good work. idea. Usually works. So because I'll even say for those, those, you know, the big tongs. Um, like I have a, a thirty inch one, I think, or a thirty six mm. inch one, and with the length of it and like the weight of some of the rabbits I feed, getting to the top cages, man, oh, it's yeah. it's it's not easy uh, because you got to slide the cage open. The cage, the snake wants to come out. You got to use two hands to put this thing up. Um, Do you know who you're talking to, Lucas? Have you seen this man's gym videos? <laughs> no, well, yeah, I, I, mean, I he, think he'll be like, okay. He's like six foot. No, no, no. I'm he... talking. <laughs> it's it's not a it's not a weight thing. It's a physics. Thing. it's it's gravity no, I, taking this take this but yeah, yeah anyways physics. yeah you're like six foot 15 inches tall um so speaking about weights um yeah. <laughs> i appreciate i i appreciate you posting some of your your weight videos on social media because 
I used to play college baseball, used to be a meathead, used to hit the gym a lot, and I've been lazy on that aspect, and it's actually been kind of inspirational and something that like just keeps me in check of like I don't want to lose sight of that. Um, what what does the gym do for you? Yeah, it puts me it puts me in the mood to you know handle some bit some to some large snakes. snakes to feed snakes. <laughs> no, well, and, and yeah, I mean I I don't I, I, I you know call me vain or whatever. I don't want to look. I want to be a fat slob on on camera or you know, walking around. Plus I've, I've been, I've been overweight. I've been heavy before and it's not, it's not a good feeling, you know, and, uh, I'm, I'm actually a little bit heavy now, but, uh, overall I, in terms of health, health and fitness is just part of my routine. You know, um, you know, I get up early. I usually get up at, you know, six o'clock and I'll hit the gym before work. And that's just, it's just part of my routine. I just, I, I try not to make excuses and I just try to try to make it happen. So I'm glad that I'm glad that, uh, you know, my pain is, is inspirational to you, Lucas. Yeah. I mean, it's not that inspirational cause I still haven't hit the gym <laughs> yet, but, but I'm, I'm getting there. You've gone um, like a couple times. You've got I've a, couple a couple times, times man. You're I like, mean, yeah, he, he says the same thing to me. He's like, Oh, I see your stories. I, I I'm going to get back to it. You guys, dude, you guys don't understand, man. Just- do it. I used to be, Do dude. It. I used to be like a, a, a lightweight but strong dude, and now I got this sexy dad bod with a nice beer gut, and I'm carrying my daughter on like my hip pouch here, yeah. rocking it at the zoo. It's nice. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm comfortable. I'm happy the way I look, but I definitely being a therapist and sitting in a chair eight hours a day, and then I got to get up and go clean snakes. I, I need to start yeah. getting more active. One thing that I used to do a lot that I, I want to get back doing, I used to lunge straight 400 meters or 30 minutes every single day. I did that for oh, 65 goodness. days straight. Um, lunging was the best thing that I could have done with my knee surgery that I had. Um, mm-hmm. I saw upper body strength gains when I plateaued just from lunging every day. I saw core strength. I saw leg strength. Um it lunging every single day people would think it'd be bad on your knees i i had the like least amount of pain on my knee that i had surgery on when i was doing that program well it's just it's 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 a fact you know everyone used to say squatting and all those things are bad for your knees but i i i'm the same way i i mean i haven't had a surgery on my knees yet but when i when i stop doing legs or stop doing squats your knees just get weak or the muscle around your knees gets weak so you're more likely to tweak it and do some other things. So strengthening, strengthening your body's super, super important. Right. And even, even talking about snakes, it's like, that's why you want to, that's why you want to take them out, have them, have them stretch and get some exercise, you know, or, or have provide shelves, you know, shelving or um, different, different things within the cage to, to, to let them crawl around and, and, and strengthen and their bodies. Pull-ups. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was actually a beautiful way to caveat back into snakes because that's what this is about. Um, uh, sorry, dying over here. Still got a cough. Um, so tell us a little bit about like what does personal Spence do on his personal time? You got a large family. Um, mm-hmm. We obviously you work out twenty hours a day, um, but what else do you do? on your spare time? Like when you're not in the snake room or you're not in the gym, what are you doing? Well, funny enough, my, my snake room doubles as my home office. So it's all in one place. And and the cool thing about doing this and, and building my brand and coiled is that, 
my content is three feet from me, right? So that's kind of the nice thing is I'm constantly here. I'm constantly working. I work from home. And as you mentioned, I've got four little kids all under the age of five and a half, which is wild. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> so um, it's... Welcome it, but, to Utah, you know, Lucas. Yeah, there you go. Welcome to Utah and, and Mormon families. But in terms of, of just, you know, uh, what I do in my spare time, it's usually running kids around to basketball games or, you know, wrestling or what have you. And, uh, but I love it, you know, and my wife's really supportive and to loop her back in, because I think when I, when I talked about the milk snake, she, she had me, she had me sell that animal when we got married and then convincing her that kind of backstory of, of getting seven, eight, eventually eight animals is, uh, is a story in itself where, you know, talking to her about, Hey, I want to get, I want to get a snake. I love these retics, blah, blah, blah. It really took a lot of convincing and, and it, it's, it took a business plan, you know, to, to show her the, the potential and, um, not that, not that I was going to explode and become, you know, the next reach out reptiles or anything crazy like that. But I think, you know, helping her understand that more was better, uh, in this case, um, was, it was a big part of, of why I am, why I am where I am today, if that makes sense. I'm, so I'm laughing in the background and I'm like, I, I wanted to interrupt, but I stopped myself. It's because I can, I literally wrote a five page business proposal to my wife, <laughs> yeah. laying out expenses, laying out costs, laying out mm-hmm. price of babies, all this stuff. Um, yeah. And let me tell you, man, that first year that I had that wild caught pairing and my class was a bust. She looked at me and she's like, you, she's like this she, I was like, they're animals. These things happen. She's like, that's not what your business proposal said. <laughs> so, it was, she, it was, she's, she's holding you accountable. That's no, that, she, that's, she was, that's, she, she was, and she actually motivates me. She, she's a big motivation for me to, to be successful. And it's not like a, I, I told you so type of thing, but because, right. uh, um, you know, I, 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 she believes it now, now that I'm on like my third season and I'm, I'm selling animals, I have money coming in and, and it's going well. Um, the one thing that she just hates me for is I just don't stop buying animals. Um, yeah, well, I think, I think Nathan and, and I can, can testify to that fact. Um, you have a problem. So <laughs> we all do. Okay. Well, actually, no, you two, you two, man. Okay. I'm talking to like, you guys are a very rare species in the retail hey, hey, hey. you he's guys only have... a year in give him no, no, some I'm... time well yeah actually <laughs> he's already yeah, surpassed no, no. me in you're, you're, you're at seven stakes a year spencer i don't want to hear that that's true um, my average is pretty high yeah um but no yeah i definitely um i don't know so like i'm a locality guy and so i feel like mm-hmm. anytime a locality has the opportunity like i'm about to go pick up a slayer at arlington a slayer mail like if a locality comes my way i, I can't turn it down like i just gotta i'm not gonna tell who but i just got someone who texted me today like hey i'm getting i'm thinking about selling my madu pair and i was like oh yeah i'm 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 over here just like how can i find the money to get this 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 locality (laughs) um and the thing is is that like you know i I, i'm trying to move away from racks in my my Mm -hmm. garage but the only way I can hide snakes from my wife is in racks. So like yeah, I, I, yeah. Need, I, I need, I need to keep some racks. Yeah. yeah. My problem is space. I mean, I think, I think if I, if I had more space, I'd probably be, 
I'd probably be slowly creeping, creeping up to you, Lucas, but I'm, I'm pretty maxed out. And, and to be honest, it's, it's kind of the perfect situation where I can just take it, take it one snake at a time, one breeding at a time, take it slow. And what it's really forcing me to do, as I kind of mentioned before, was it's really forcing me to focus on the community and focus on what everybody else is doing. Not that I care about what everybody else is doing, but to, to show my support and also to just to just see where the market is going. I mean, I think just as a, a business person, you have to understand where the market's at today, where it was a year ago and where you predict or forecast it's going to be in, in 12 months. Um, so that's that's been a, a good thing for me. Um, otherwise, if I would have bought a bunch of adults and had my hands full with breedings and, and hatchlings already, it would be it would be madness. So, yeah, a little research and development while you're developing. One thousand percent. And Lucas is dying again. Sorry, Lucas. Yeah. Speaking of community, I'm going to throw our Patreon plug. If you guys aren't a member of our Patreon join our patreon we have an awesome discord community we have 47 members right now and counting spencer is actually one of the og patreon members that joined like i think our second day i think it was our second patreon member i was number i was or, number two yeah second patreon member um and um you know as much as i would love for spencer to be more active on the discord with all these naturalistic <laughs> setups <laughs> wink wink <laughs> um join join our patreon um it's only five bucks a month at the lowest level and uh you'll gain access to a wonderful family that we've created you won't regret it <laughs> so i i have one more question before we get into some of like the just quick rapid fire stuff that we throw out at the end for our guests but um if someone wanted to model their keeping after you and get into one of these enclosures uh mm. with the universal rock roundabout how much would someone expect to invest into something like that well first they got to sign up for my patreon no i'm just kidding yeah. I, don't, I don't have i don't have a, i don't have a patreon but only in only fans. i will say this though i will say this that eventually i do want to do a patreon and i want to do something a little bit unique that focuses on building your reptile brand and business and really focus on just kind of that that angle so i'm excited to kind of plan that out and hopefully i have something in the next year or so with that which i think will be really fun but in terms of what someone will spend in my opinion to do this the right way you can't you can't get flimsy pvc enclosures no you, you can't you can't. no i'm talking uh, about going all out monster cages yeah. or full pvc you know something quality yeah yeah, jungle I mean, yeah, jungle cages are ABS plastic, so they're just a lot thicker. He welds them all together um, because you can't build off those PVC uh, enclosures. They're just usually they're just too thin. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking at jungle cages and you're looking at I once again, I went above and beyond overboard. I bought a full length, like 16 foot uh, panel from Universal Rocks, the background that you see. I bought all the little rocks and cliffs that I attached in internally. I spent a lot of money. Okay. Yeah, um, I've looked <laughs> at some Universal Rock stuff at shows, and it's it's not not cheap at all. Yeah, I mean, if, you, I mean, so do you mind do you mind sharing a ballpark figure? And and I don't mean to like, 
I, oh, I think I it's a wonderful care. thing that you spend a lot of money, but a lot yeah. of people, I don't think realize. No, I think this is inspiring and a lot of people should be doing stuff like this. And yeah, I would like say if, if you're going to buy a $4,000, if you're going to buy a four or $5,000 retic, why are you putting it in, 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 I don't know. I, exactly. I don't, don't want to say already spending setup, big but... money. So, yeah, well, right. I mean, I think, I think between the jungle cages and all the material that I used, um, but at Universal Rocks, everything that I, the silicone, foam, everything else, probably, I'm probably all in about two grand a cage. So I'm probably in about sixteen, seventeen thousand dollars $17,000 for my setups. And that's really not that crazy. If you look at caging prices. Not including the cage? No. No, including, including the cages. So mm-hmm. with the cage itself and the rock walls and everything is about 2K an enclosure. Averaged out, yeah. That's not. I mean, to be honest, that's really not bad. No, yeah, it's not. Yeah, I bought I bought everything in bulk though, right? Like I bought, you know, I bought eight at a time from Mark over at Jungle. I bought the whole panel. I bought all the little, you know, water bowls and cliffs and tree stumps and everything like that. So yeah, I mean, it was probably yeah, I'd, I'd probably err on the side of about twenty five hundred bucks a cage. Yeah. For everything still so, i feel yeah. i feel like with the animals we're all working with i i feel like that's a very reasonable price tag for for something to live in for it's yeah well and it just it just visually it just looks i mean it looks beautiful you know like it looks great and um especially because i i work in my snake room you know i have my desk and my computer and everything in here it's like it's it's nice to look at so That's, yeah it's a great backdrop for the episode so thanks for that <laughs> yeah. I, I got i got an empty wall with a bed behind me so you know what thanks for showing us up i have cats walking <laughs> in my background so um, right um i actually i do have one more thing that just popped in mind i remember that we mm-hmm. recorded an episode it might have been our second or third episode and i called you out Mm, um, when we yeah. when we were yeah, talking yeah. about enclosures in husbandry, and I yeah. called you out in the sense of you were doing amazing things with your enclosure, and I was like, but I have one issue with his what he did, which was cleaning. Mm-hmm. And right now, your animals are still manageable size, and mm-hmm. so I'm wondering what is it like to clean the rock walls? Do you, have you had to do that yet? Uh, do mm-hmm. they poop in one place? Like me as a breeder, and I have twenty plus retics, not including hatchlings. Um, I'm thinking to myself, you know, if I had those type of setups and enclosures with that many animals, I would probably be spending at least 10 hours a week alone cleaning. Yeah. Um, and so, like, what is that process like? Is it is it easy to clean that stuff? Is it hard? Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, for the record, Nathan backed me up. So thank you, Nathan, for uh, defending me. But I think <laughs> in terms of cleanup yes um there's a couple things now granted i haven't had an enclosure that's just a bare enclosure right paper bare enclosure what's the cleanup right if 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 there's snake poo on the side of the wall and it's caked on and it's hot like what is you know you're scraping that off or doing something so um I would assume, yeah, you maybe save a little bit of time, but in my experience, at least so far, it hasn't been too bad. Um, I don't know about you guys. A lot of my animals will go to the bathroom in the same spot, usually, or in the same area of the cage. Um, it's just something that I've noticed most of the time, not every time, in but most water. of the time. 
Yeah, <laughs> that's always that's always lovely. But in terms of, of of them, you know, painting the 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 sides as as Lucas portrayed in that one episode, um, that has happened a few times. With my setups, it's not like it's not like you can take a drill to it and just go ham. They're sturdy, but they are still somewhat delicate a little bit. But from my experience, what I use is I use one of those hardcore uh, scrub brushers or, or uh, scrub brushers. Uh, yeah, scrubbers. A scrub brusher. Yeah, scrub brusher, whatever you want to call them. So I'll go ham on on that, and that usually does a, a really good job. Uh, you know, I'll just use a, a solution, you know, Dawn or something else, and, and be able to get that off. Um, but it, that's uh, that would be the one downside to having a naturalistic enclosure or setup, right? Uh, in terms of everything else, though, in my opinion, there's there's so many more pros to it that um, it's 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 not that big of a deal. But with someone like yourself, Lucas, having I don't know twenty plus animals in your in your collection, I can Just see 20, how twenty seven adults. <laughs> adult. <laughs> I can see how that that would change things in the future. Just kind of my plans because some of my animals eventually will will need six foot enclosures. What I'm planning on probably doing is still using the panels on the sides and the back, and doing maybe one shelf, um, but not going all out like I have on some of this. I still want everything to kind of look uniform and for them to have some texture, especially for shedding and stuff. They they absolutely love the rock wall for for shedding. Um, so that's been a big benefit. Oh, and you know what? That that just like clicked for me. You you have very good sheds very often, and I'm sure it has to mm. do with your, your your substrate as well. But I'm I'm wondering if really that texture on the water bowls, the rock walls, like if it just makes mm. it that much easier for them. Yeah, I I believe so. I mean, I I, I you know I'll, every once in a while one of them will blow up their their cage and it'll be all over the place and and yeah, that's not fun getting all the little pieces off the rock wall and you know, all the little crevices and stuff, you know, but once again, I mean, I think the, the pros outweigh the, the cons there. An idea that I have is following kind of a similar model for a hatchling setup. So my idea for a hatchling setup is basically taking the same amount of space, right? But somehow with Mark figuring out an idea where I can have divvied up windows. Yeah, divvied up windows. I've talked so I to can, him about this, and so I can still, so I can still have the glass. So they're used to front-facing enclosure, right? Because when you have hatchlings in tubs, they're used to the tubs, depending on how long they're in there or how much you work with them. And then they go to a front-facing enclosure. Sometimes it can be, you know, a little disruptive for them. They're not used to it. So if I had a front-facing enclosure for every single one and just kept it more simplistic, though, I think that'd be really cool and it would look really good too because you'd still have the front-facing. So that's kind of an idea I have um for a potential hatchling setup down the road yeah i think all of us would love that (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah he's talked to me about like removable dividers with the same like glass setup and everything and i mean it's a really good idea um i'd really like it a lot there's some quirks that me and him have talked about working through and um and i know also focus cube has has actually they just posted on their their facebook group um if uh uh, Focus Cube just like talked about mainstreaming more readily available cages and making like walls for people who need a bunch of things with different sizes. Um, mm. 
and That's having cool. and having uniformity to it and still looking right. nice and modern like their enclosures do and all that good stuff because I do I do believe that the larger retics once you get to the 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 four foot the six foot the eight foot cages I really do prefer the ABS type of caging um, mm. but I, I think for you know a superdor retic up to two three years old PVC is completely fine for them um, yeah. and do well and that way you could have you know a wall of really nice enclosures that they're planning on doing. Um, Okay, so rapid fire questions. Oh, here we go. So I got a lot of these geared towards you being a meathead. Okay. All right, here we go. Okay, ready? Mm-hmm. Nathan, do you have any that you need to send me real quick? No, no. I, I mean, if I have any, I'll I'll shoot them off. <laughs> okay. All right. Rapid fire. Number one: squats or deadlifts? Deadlifts. Arm day or leg day? Arm day. Saturday for the boys. Yeah. Awesome. Um, <laughs> what's your favorite sport? Basketball. What's your favorite team? Mm, I don't know. It's I, I don't know. It's tough. I like the Bucks. I'll say the Bucks. Okay, yeah. Milwaukee Bucks. I like that. Look mm-hmm. me in the eye. Who is the GOAT, LeBron James or Michael Jordan? Mm, that's I, I, I'm torn, man. I'm torn because I'm I went to high school in Ohio, so you know I'm a, I'm a LeBron guy. But uh, I don't know. With I don't want to get political, but I, I still think Jordan's the goat. So okay, okay, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So if you had three <laughs> wishes a genie could grant you, what would they be? Whew. Um. That's a great question. I, I think the first one would just be um, would just be wealth, so not having to worry about money, because I'd probably I, <laughs> I'd probably have like I don't know a bunch more kids. Um, I, 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 I love I love my kids, um, so I would say I would just say like financial freedom, just not having to worry about money. Number one, because then I can pursue what I want to do and, and help other people, right? Number two would probably be um, would probably be a farm. I really want to get a farm, like a like a bunch of land. Um, Love that. That's been a dream. Love that for my wife and I. So that's kind of a goal. Same. And on that farm, I'd have my have my uh, my snake barn, my coiled barn for sure. So that's that's in the plans. That's in the kind of the long term plans down the road. Um, number three. Um, I, I, I'd probably say, hmm, that's a good one. I'm going to give you five seconds or I'm buzzering you out. <laughs> that's, that's a tough one. I would, uh. Hmm. Yeah, you can buzzer me. I, I can't think of another one. I'll say for all of us, just, just world peace. Okay. There we go. <laughs> all that's right. A, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> okay. So, so, uh, which fictional character would you would you relate to most? I would say I would say Aragorn from Lord of the Rings. Okay. Oh. Mm. Okay. Favorite comedian. Uh, ooh. 
I know I know this is a Nathan question because he loves 100%. he loves comedy and, and, and comics, so I gotta be careful with my, my choice here. No, 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 you don't. If you say Dave Segura, he'll drive over to your house and make out with you now. <laughs> no, it's it's not Dave Segura. Yeah, I was like what? <laughs> if they had a baby, uh, the, yeah, the super Segura. comedy child. No, I, I you know the funny thing is I, I, I'll say Jerry Seinfeld because okay. um Classic. You know, uh, people. Some people might not like his his humor, but it's. Dry. I grew up. I grew. I grew. I grew up as a Seinfeld baby, so I just. I, I love Seinfeld. It's hard. I'm on it's season hard. seven right now, so I, I can't wait you for that. Yeah, yeah, I like, yeah, yeah. I like his stand up. His stand up is, I think, underrated. It it, it is. It is. Yeah. Um. Sure. Okay. Is chess a sport? I don't think so. I don't think it's a sport. Okay. I think it's a mental game, mental challenge. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Last question, and this is more. I of have an... one more too. Sorry. Oh, go for it. Go for it, Nate. All right. What's the closest you've been to dying? You just triggered me as a trauma therapist. I'm over here thinking like <laughs> this, this could go way deep. I was like, I just got off of work not too long. <laughs> this is yeah. This is a this is a this is a great question. I'm trying to. I mean, I, I think everybody's been in almost, you know, near death car accidents sure. at some point, you know, um, I, I, I will share an experience when I, when I was, um, living in Ohio, we'd go down to Florida all the time. And, and long story short, we were, I was on a jet ski, my dad and my sisters were on a jet, a jet ski in, in front of us and a boat, we were in this canal and a, a full tilt boat came and, and hit my dad and my sisters like, like head on. It nearly missed me, right? So I was I was close to it. So I didn't get hit, luckily, but I saw them go boop like fifteen feet into the air. So oh, that was uh, that was wild. But everybody's okay. Everybody made it. But uh, it was pretty. That was pretty freaky. So. Okay. Yeah. That's that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could leave, if you could leave our listeners with the biggest tip, if they want to get into keeping and breeding reticulated pythons, what would that be? Have a strategy, have a game plan. Um, if you're going to come into this and own a couple pets, beautiful. Um, I, it's That's amazing. If you're looking to do anything more with this, have a game plan, have a strategy. You have to be tactical. You have to be known. Um, and you have to understand business. And so if you don't understand those things, you're, you're probably better off just keeping a few animals in, as pets. Yeah. I, I, I actually agree with a lot of that. Absolutely. Um, before we head out, Spencer, um, just want to thank you so much for, um, coming on and finally getting to hang out with us here, lounge out with us on the retake lounge. Um, again, guys like subscribe and comment, give Spencer some love. Uh, Spencer, go ahead and let them know where they can find you. Yeah. So YouTube and Instagram is the same Facebook. It's coiled retics. So that's where you can find me. Awesome. We'll go ahead and drop all of his links down below in the description. Guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. Nathan, you got anything before we head out? No, I'm excited for next week, so we'll see you next time. All right, take it easy. Thanks, guys.